Media Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. All right, let's, let's uh, open our Bibles this morning to the book of Romans. I love Romans. I don't know if you've ever read Romans, but it's like a slap in the face. It's a good one. Romans 7, 15 through 25. And I'm reading from the contemporary English version uh, this morning. So a little bit different. Um, But we're reading 15 through 25. And if you don't have it, I got you up here. It says this. In fact, I don't understand why I act the way that I do. I do what I know is right. I do the things that I hate. Although I don't do what I know is right, I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing these evil things. The sin that lives in me is what does them. I know that my selfish desires won't let me do anything that is good. Even when I want to do what is right, I cannot. Instead of doing what I know is right, I do wrong. And, and so, if I don't do what I know is right, I am no longer the one doing these evil things. The sin that lives in me is what does them. Verse 21 says, The law has shown me that something in me keeps me from doing what I know is right. With my whole heart, I agree with the law of God, but in every part of me, I discover something fighting against my mind, and it makes me a prisoner of the sin that controls everything that I do. What a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is doomed to die? Thank God Jesus Christ will rescue me. Amen. Today's message I entitled, I'm not there yet. Someone say that with me. I'm not there yet. How many of you guys can totally relate on so many levels to what my boy Paul is saying here? I, I do the things that, that I, I don't want to do. My spirit doesn't want to do them, but for some reason I still do it. I don't want to watch hours of TV every night, but like these shows, they got me. They're so good. They're addicting. I don't, I don't want to not like that person, but man, they just, the way they talk and their man, their face and everything just kind of annoys me about that person. I, I don't want to not like them, but ah, right. You, you can relate to this one. I don't want another slice of pizza, but, but I kind of do want another slice of pizza. Paul here is talking about the struggle of being human. It's a struggle being human, especially one that wants to model righteousness in an unrighteous world. We want to, we want to do good, right? But sometimes we can't even meet our own expectations. That's, that's the struggle. And, you know, reading this passage, it's, it's one of those passages that if we're just honest with ourselves, we kind of get a little bit of relief from because it's like, well, if Paul went through these things and that makes me feel better, right? Like I can go easy on myself. If, if Paul, the, the prolific author of so many of the new Testament books, if he went through these things, I can feel a little bit better about myself. And it's, it's a very humbling passage, especially, you know, for me, because I, I know that even, even if I possessed, you know, th- this, this anointing that is so rare to find, and even though I've received, you know, countless hours of study and biblical and, and, and theological training, and I know the word of God, and I can exercise wisdom, and I have a good godly character, and I, you know, I don't have a bad attitude, I don't complain about things, right? I don't tear people down. Even if I've reached this high level of spiritual maturity, I'm, I'm still not there yet. I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived. I'm not there yet. And Paul also says in the same letter, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
I remember looking at uh, my grandma, my grandma on either side, and thinking to myself, this verse doesn't apply to her. Anybody have a grandma like that? It's like, she's a saint. I remember thinking, I remember reading that one time, all have sinned, and, and I thought, even my grandma? Because my, gra- my grandmas were like angels in our midst. Like I, I, they, I'd never seen them sin. I'd never seen them fall short of the glory of God. But yes, even they aren't perfect. Even the mightiest of men and women of God, those whom you admire, Joyce Meyer, sis, ladies, right? All the, guy, all, the, all the guys and all the, all the big people that you follow on Instagram for the daily inspiration, those quotes that just like, ah, oh, get you, right? Even they aren't perfect. Even they haven't arrived yet. And that's uh, kind of makes you feel a little bit better about yourself, right? Makes you not feel so alone. But listen, that's not an excuse. Because just because you haven't gotten there yet doesn't mean that you stop pursuing. Just because, you, just because you haven't arrived doesn't mean that you don't keep walking. I remember being uh, in Colorado. We, we, uh, I was in co- cross country in middle school. And uh, I remember my PE teacher... He was also our, our coach. He, uh, he came up to me after class one day and he said, hey, John, uh, it feels weird calling myself, referring to myself as John in front of you guys. Uh, but he says, he says, John, I want you to run cross country. And I said, oh, okay. I didn't really know what cross country was. I knew that it had to do with, you know, a little bit of running. Um, but I, I said, okay, I had nothing better to do. So uh, the next week we had our, our first practice and, and, and this coach, he takes us outside and he, he looks at the, at the team, at the boys, and he says, all right, boys, today we're going we're gonna to run up that, as he's pointing to a, a mountain in front of us. And I'm like, cool. Like, I, st- I still don't know what I'm about to experience. So I'm like, cool, we're going to run up a mountain. I get to tell my friends about this, right? And, and then he starts giving us a speech, you know, the coach. And, and, and he was, this coach, man, he was so fired up. I still remember him. His name was Mr. Geniser. He was like a molder of men. He was like Coach Taylor. I don't know if you guys watched Friday Night Lights, but he's like, an awesome, awesome coach. And, and so he was always so fired up, but he tells us under no circumstances, do I want to see any of you not moving? He says, you can throw up. He says, you can fall down. You can jog. You can walk at a very slow pace, but you will keep going. And so when he says all that, now I'm thinking what I'm about to get myself into. And so we start, we start running. This is our very first practice and, and me wanting to be the best on my team, wanting to be the fastest. I'm taking off like a jet and I go and I'm, I'm looking at my team behind me. I'm like, man, these guys are slow, man. I'm about to carry this whole team by myself. And I go like 20 yards and then I'm like, goodness, I, I, I take a breather. And we hadn't even made it past the parking lot. Like we haven't even made the, the ascent yet. And so that keeps on going for 20, uh, I'm sorry, not, not, not 20, uh, two hours. Two hours, we're running up this, this mountain and, and it's like we're, we're, it's getting cold up there and none of us wanted to take our jackets because it was kind of hot at the bottom. We were being stubborn and, you know, the altitude was getting to us and, and we were getting tired. It was getting dark. It was getting dark. Finally, someone gets, uh, you know, musters up the courage to say, hey, uh, coach, uh, you know, are, are we almost done? How, how much further are we going to keep going? And uh, I remember he said, don't worry about that. Just keep going. I don't know if you ever had a coach like that, but they were the worst. <laughs> and he did it every practice. At week after week, we would do the same thing. We would go in hating our lives because we knew that he was going to make us run indefinitely. And then, you know, when we got to the end, there, was not, there wasn't like a major finish line. It was just like, okay, guys, whenever he wanted to, you know, say 
It's over. Call your parents and come get you. That was it. There was like no, there was no reward. And we finally realized why, why he did that though. Well, it was because, um, every, every time we had a, a cross country meet, there was, uh, we knew exactly what we were getting ourselves into. We knew ex- what the course was. We knew the distance. We knew how long it was going to take. And so it became easier for us psychologically. It was a great strategy, but it, it never worked because we never won any. <laughs> but our walk with God, church, is, is a lot like that in a sense because, you know, we read about God telling us to be holy because he is holy. Be perfect for I am perfect. And we read that. But we know that it's impossible for us to be perfect. So we, we kind of read that and we're like, oh, okay, well, how am I going to do that? Because I will never reach pure holiness. I, I'm never going to reach perfection, right? It's like we're, we're running towards it indefinitely. So why, why even ask us to do it? Why even command that of us? One reason I think could be is because if we're always pursuing perfection, even if we don't reach it, at least we'll be in the realm of holiness. You get that? Even if we're not there yet, we're still going there, right? And I'm probably never going to reach it in my lifetime. I'm probably never going to get there, but at least I'm headed in that direction. So there are two points here in this passage that I want to take you through today that we can draw from. And and, um, each one is like a call to action. So if you take notes, this is the time to do that. Once again, Paul is, he's kind of laying out the struggle here in verse 15, where he says, I don't understand why I act the way that I do. I don't do what I know is right. I do the things that I hate. And although I don't do what I know is right, I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing these evil things. It's the sin in me that does them. So just to kind of break that down, Paul's saying, look, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know why I'm drawn to the things that I hate doing, and I'm so hesitant to do the things that I know that I should be doing. Maybe, and you kind of see his thought process here in, this, in, the, in the passage, he says, maybe it's because there is something inside of me that keeps me from doing the things that I should be doing and keeps me doing the things that I shouldn't be doing. So the first point that I want to make is identify. Identify. And again, that's, that's a call to action, as in, Identify the problem. Identify the perpetrator. Identify the the weakness. Whatever is keeping you from getting there, identifying it is the first step. And can I just say that this is probably going to be the hardest one? Because when something isn't right, we look at ourselves last when we really should be looking at ourselves first. We start with everyone else. Last week I talked about toxic people. People who never think that they're wrong. They're so, they're so stubborn. Everyone else is always a problem. If you haven't heard that message, listen to it. It's called Critic. And I, I'm not necessarily talking about toxic people right now, though. The problem might not be that you can't admit when you're wrong. Maybe that's not your issue. Maybe your issue isn't stubbornness. Maybe, maybe you have no problem admitting when you're wrong. So if that's not the problem, maybe the problem is you're not examining, you're not examining yourself first to see if the problem is you. The other day, um, Layla was having a little moment with, with Danny. Danny likes to pick on the people that he loves. I think that's his love language. <laughs> um, and that's my conclusion. Like, if he's ever picking on you, just, just say, I, I love you too, bro. And uh, the other day, Danny was you know, purposely trying to um, 
annoy Layla. And Layla just, she wasn't having it this day. She kept looking at me. She kept saying, Daddy, I don't want to play right now. And, and so she does this thing where she pretends to be um, Wonder Woman. And, and she stomps on the ground. She puts out her hand like this, like she's doing like some superhero move. And, and um, Danny's always playing along with her, you know, pretending to be the bad guy. And it, this was on Wednesday. Danny was kind of kind of trying to, you know, initiate it. He was giving her, you know, ugly looks and he kept doing like this. And Layla was just being like, no, I don't want to. She kept telling me, I don't want to be Wonder Woman right now. So convenient for her, man. She, she only wants to be Wonder Woman when it's convenient for her. Like if she's, you know, if she wants to let you know how strong she is, she'd be like, I'm, I'm Wonder Woman. Or if we're getting after her, she's like, hey, you can't do that. I'm, I'm Wonder Woman. Like, who do you think you're talking to? She'll, like, she'll, she won't say those words, but like, we're getting after her. She's like, no, I'm Wonder Woman. And then the moment she starts being a baby, and crying, I call her on it. I'm like, I didn't know Wonder Woman was such a baby. She's like, I'm not Wonder Woman right now. I'm Layla. <laughs> Dang, pray for us. So, so Danny was trying to, you know, kind of play with Layla. And Layla was getting annoyed. And, and I kind of gave Layla a little speech. I said, Layla, don't let Danny get under your skin like mommy does. <laughs> Danny and Melissa kind of have a love-hate relationship, too. Danny knows exactly what to say to, to get under <laughs> her skin. And so I'm telling Layla, Layla, you are the garter of your emotions. Like if, if you're going to, if you're going to get frustrated, if you're going to get angry, it's because you're letting yourself get to that point. You can, you, you can let people get to you or you can just say, Hey, I'm, I'm good. Right. And she, you know, she kind of just looked at me like she was three and she didn't understand what I was saying. But like, maybe that's, maybe that's our problem. Sometimes a lot of times we blame all the external factors in our lives before we look at us. We come, we, we, we get to work and we're in a bad mood and we tell our coworkers, don't talk to me right now. What happened? Oh, it was this guy at the drive-thru, took forever. He was so rude. He got under my skin. And then, and then you get, you get home at work later and, and, and you're upset with your husband or your wife because your, your boss, they, they just ticked you off and you're like, you, they drove you to your point or your, your kids are driving you crazy. And it's like, we're, there's always someone else to blame, but what if we flipped it? And what if we said, why do I always let things get to me? Maybe, maybe I'm always in a bad mood because my attitude just isn't the best when things don't go my way. Maybe, maybe it's me. I'm not hearing a lot of amens. <laughs> but, but Paul, Paul identifies his issue. He owns it. He says, there is something in me. I'm flawed. I'm the problem. So, so when you catch yourself kind of making yourself, you know, excuses for yourself and, and you say things, well, like I'm, I try not to do things, you know, last minute all the time, but I just, I, I just never have time. Maybe you just, you know, maybe you're just not making the time for the things that you know you have to do. Don't blame the time. People are always blaming the time. Like time has nothing to do with it. We all have the same amount of time during our day with millions of things to do. We're blaming the time. Or, hey, I, I, I try not to disrespect people at work, but, oh, these people are so incompetent sometimes. Oh, maybe the problem, you have, you have an issue with authority. You, have a, you don't like being told what to do. You have a pride problem. I can keep going, but you get my point. There is something in me that needs to be identified first before putting the blame on the external factors. Because, church, if we never, if we never first identify the issue, we're just going to be stuck at verse 15 saying, I don't know why I'm the way that I am. I don't know why I keep doing the things that I don't want to do. There's, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's the way that my parents raised me. Maybe it's the, the things that they taught me. Maybe it's my friends. No, maybe it's, maybe it's you. 
Paul keeps going. He doesn't stop there. He has this realization that there is a problem and he knows what it is. Verse 18 says, I know that my selfish desires won't let me do anything that is good. Man, that's so true. Even when I want to do what is right, I cannot. Instead of doing what I know is right, I do wrong. And so if I don't do what I know is right, I am no longer the one doing these evil things. It's the sin that lives in me is what does them. So he says, it's me. It's my selfish desires that keep me from doing good. It's my, it, 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 it's, my, it's my selfishness that keeps me from doing good to people. It's my pride that doesn't allow me to work well with other people. It's my greediness that doesn't allow me to sow into the kingdom of God. It's my laziness that keeps me from working. Dale. Identify the problem. But start with you. Start with yourself. Don't start with your brother. Don't start with your sister in Christ. Please don't start with your pastor. (laughs) Start with you. This is in my notes. I don't know where this is going to go. But uh, I've been pastor for like three, three, four weeks, you know. (laughs) I I thought everything was going to stay the same. But um, people are coming to me, you know, saying, hey. Hey, this, this is a problem. Hey, this is a problem. Hey, when are you going to fix this? Hey, when are you going to do this? And, and oh goodness, I'm like, <laughs> it's like, it's like the equivalent of, of making a mess, right? Making a huge mess. And then you arrive on the scene and then someone's telling you, Hey, there's a mess. I know. <laughs> Give me a second. Yeah, anyways. <clears throat> The other, the other day we were driving across town and, and uh, we recently, you know, we recently moved. We lived, uh, we lived, we, we, we moved about 15 minutes more north than we already were. Uh, it's nicer. We, we like the area. We don't live in the hood anymore. Right? But you can't take the hood out of me. Uh, <laughs> dumb, dumb joke. Uh, but, but the other day we had to drive across town uh, during, during traffic and I looked at the GPS to see how long it was going to take. And it, it, was, it was over an hour. It was like an hour and five minutes. And I said, ugh, it's going to take forever. And Melissa looked at me and she said, we chose this life. And I quickly got on the defensive. <laughs> like, you know, that's what you typically do when someone's, you know, getting after you. You react You're like, that's not true. <laughs> and I, 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 I got defensive. We got in a little argument, nothing serious. I was just, you know. I didn't think, I don't know. And it wasn't that I was being stubborn. I wasn't being stubborn, church. I wasn't. No, no, the problem, no, this is the problem, babe. I I figured it out. I figured it out. The problem was that I didn't first stop to identify the root of the problem. Instead, I was blaming the traffic. Oh, the traffic. I was blaming, I was getting mad at the city of Houston for being so big. Like I was blaming everything else, but she was right. We chose to live in the North Pole. Well, everyone else, you know, all our friends are down south. So I, I can complain, but if I'm going to complain, I got to complain about myself. Like, Ryan, why did you choose this? Because Melissa has told me time and time again, we can, we can go further south. We can go to Pearland. She wants to go to Pearland. We can go to Clear Lake. Clear Lake is nice. I'm like, no, I don't want to. North is my no side, right? Like, you that's, that's like my pride. Like, I don't want to leave the north. But, you know, and then I start complaining when something's too far. 
My bad, God. My bad. Paul continues and he says this. He says, the law has shown me that something in me keeps me from doing what I know is right. With my whole heart, I agree that the law is good. But in every part of me, I discover something fighting against my mind and it makes me a prisoner of the sin that controls everything that I do. What a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is doomed to die? Thank God Jesus will rescue me. So, so my second point and my last point is this, surrender. Someone say surrender. 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 Oh, man, that, that's, a, that's a powerful thing when you surrender, when you finally just give in because you can't do it on your own. So you give in to a higher force. Our higher force is, is Jesus Christ, right? And, and, and so you kind of, you see Paul's thought process here. First, we see his bewilderment, right? He doesn't understand why he does the things that go contrary to who he's called to be and, and why he doesn't do the things that would take him closer to God, right? But then he quickly identifies the problem. He says, it's sin, the sin that lives in me, my selfishness, my desires, my weaknesses, that all keeps me from getting there. Even though I know that the law is good, I know it. I know what I need to do. Just like we know that eating healthy can lead to being healthy. Just like I know that if I I wake up at 4.30 in the morning, I'm going to have a really productive day because I've done it before. I woke up at 4.30 and man, I got so many things done before like nine o'clock and I'm, I'm so impressed with myself. And Melissa, Melissa and I, we always have this conversation every day. Tomorrow, waking up at 4.30, it never happens. Even though I know that I can have a great and productive day, even though I know what is right, even though we know that sin leads to death, do we still sin? Yes. So it's not a matter of what we know or what we don't know. It's a matter of that problem that we need to identify. That's what the issue is. And then the next step is surrendering to the one that can get us there. Church, I believe that when we follow this model of living, we'll never stop growing. We'll never stop. We'll keep on going because we'll continue to to grow and get closer to God. And yesterday's problems will no longer be today's problems because you surrendered to Christ to get you through yesterday's problems. And we're going to continue growing. But so many of us, we stay stuck in verse 15 where we're still oblivious as to what the problem is. Well, I don't know what it is. I don't know. But oh well. Or we fail to surrender. Maybe we know what the problem is, but we fail to surrender. If you ever find yourself throwing in the towel, saying, well, no one's perfect, then you accept defeat. And I I say that say that about myself. I think we all say that. Oh, no one's perfect. You can't expect me to be perfect. But that, that, that statement, as true as it is, that mentality, it's always going to keep you from pursuing perfection. You're going to throw in the towel and you're going to accept the problem that it, and it's always going to be the problem. Always. You're never going to want to get over it because, well, well I'm not perfect. I can't do it. It's odd to me, church, that when a person comes to Christ for the very first time, there are so many kinks that that we have to work out, right? It's it's a process when you come to Christ. We know that. It's a process. You you, you accept Christ and and your problems and your addictions and your attitudes, that doesn't just go away overnight. We kind of like to say that it does, but no, it it doesn't. You're still going to have those addictions. You're still going to have 
I mean, you're still going to have your, your issues. It's a process. You have to get closer to God. And I've seen major transformations in people's lives when they accept Christ. God, I mean, God shows off sometimes. God does things in people's lives and he can turn a, a, a dark and dark black soul into someone of, of, of righteous character. That's what God can do, can do. But something happens. We go through our walk and, and, and this is the, if you don't get anything, I want you to, I want you to understand this because this is where I'm, I'm starting to preach to my brothers, my, my Christians. I'll have Will come up. As we go through our walk with Christ, after we've accepted him, we get to a point where we kind of stop trying. We kind of stop trying. And, and we, stop, we stop working out the kinks. We don't, we don't care to work them out anymore because um, we, we kind of compare our, our problems today to yesterday's problems. And we think, well, you know, I might be lazy, but laziness isn't as bad as when I was addicted to drugs. <laughs> I think I've come a long way. Don't judge me. Well, I might, I might have a lot of pride, but my pride isn't anything compared to the amount of alcohol I was drinking every day, man, before I came to Christ. I, I think I'm pretty good. And it's like, it's like we try, you know, to get rid of all the major issues when we come to Christ, but then we forget about all the little imperfections once we're in Christ. All the little things that we still do that don't resemble Christ. We, we came to Christ to turn our back to the world, but we still have some residual mess during our walk that we don't care to really get rid of. And that's not the mentality that we should be taking if we're going to continue growing. And I might, man, I might step on some toes, but laziness, your laziness, that's not Christ-like. That's not Christ-like. Your bad attitude, that's not Christ-like. Your unwillingness to forgive people, the fact that you like to hold grudges with people, that's not Christ-like. Your, your, your gossip, just because it's not gotten any cleaner just because you're not using any curse words. It's still gossip, okay? You're like, well, at least I didn't cuss them out this time. You're still tearing down. Like, there's so many things in our lives that still have to be worked out because we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But as long as we continue striving and pursuing holiness, we're going to get closer every day. And we're going we're gonna to walk and get closer to, to the Father in perfection every day. And he's going to continue taking us to glory, to glory, to glory. That's what that song means. We sing it like we're actually living it. But if you're staying in the same spot, you're not gl- going from glory to glory. You're, you're just staying right there. I love worship. I love worship songs and praise songs. But man, sometimes I'm singing these things and I'm like, are we living this before we're singing it? Like... It's so powerful, grateful. As I was singing that song this morning, man, grateful. The, the, the lyrics are so powerful. We're grateful for everything. The only thing that matters is, is Christ and, and overcome. We can get through any obstacle in our lives because we know that the victory is already won. Every obstacle that comes after is really just an illusion. It's not even really there. But do we live that? No, we don't. And so there's so many things that we need to get rid of, church, in our lives so that we continue going from glory to glory to glory. That's where God wants to take you. That's where he wants to take this church. 
I'm not there yet, but I'm not going to stop pursuing what God has called me to be. And I'm going to surrender to him in every aspect so that he can get there. Amen. I'm going to ask that we stand this morning. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.